Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Before we begin, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, that we get to gather in your name. We thank you for this freedom that you have given us to serve you, Lord, that we are able to worship you in freedom. Lord, we don't take it for granted. And Lord, this morning, I pray that your word speaks to each and every one of us here, that we will listen and receive what it is that you need for us to receive, Lord. Lord, allow us to be sensitive to your spirit, Lord God. Open up our, our, our hearts, our ears, and our minds, Lord, to know that you are the one that is speaking to us. We lift you up in our praises, for you alone deserve it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I am the eldest daughter of Pastor Eric and Pastor Ruth. I was born in the Philippines. I, when I was six years old, we moved to Saipan, so I was raised on the tiny island of Saipan. Not a lot of people know where Saipan is, but Saipan is a tiny island, really close to Guam. It's about an hour of plane ride away from Guam. And then in 2001, our family relocated here to California. It was around April time. And so I felt like, in my life, there was no place that was really stagnant. Or, you know, I always felt like we were always moving and, and life was always just changing. So I always say, the only constant thing in my life is change. That's the only constant thing in my life is change. And I wouldn't have it any other way because if God decides to change the direction of your life, you have to be flexible and you have to be able to move understanding that his direction for you is better than anywhere that you could be um, seeking success. So I, I graduated from, from Vanguard University in 2014. And then I studied actually at Asia Pacific Theological Seminary. I got my master's in intercultural studies. And part of the story of, of how I came to, to missions is Understanding how missions played a key role in my life. <laughs> While I was studying at APTS, I was about two trimesters away from graduating. And fellow missionaries that were there serving, their Dickie and Dr. Galen Hurtwick, uh, they're my, my teachers are professors and they're, they're serving at APTS. And Dickie asked me, she goes, Eunice, what's your plan after you get your, your master's? What, what do you plan to do? And I, honestly, I hadn't really thought about it. I said, yeah, I think I'll go back to California, um, find a regular job, sit at a regular desk, whatever regular means, right? We've gone through the pandemic. We talk about the new normal all the time, whatever that means. And she's like, well, have you thought about missions? I said, well, not really. Because if you were to ask me, if missions was the first thing that I wanted to do after you know, graduating from, from APTS or Vanguard, I'd say no. I grew up as a PK, pastor's kid. I saw the good, the bad, 
the ugly side of ministry. And I thought to myself, I said, Lord, I'll serve in the church, but I don't want to do missions. I don't want to, you know, be a pastor. I, I don't want to do any of those things. But I'll serve in the church. I'll, you know, sing on worship team. I'll do whatever it is that the church needs to be done. But can I tell you that when you tell the Lord your conditions, it's like the same things that he's going to make you do. Say, Lord, I don't want to do that. A couple of years down later, you find yourself doing exactly what you said you don't want to do. Because God pushes you out of your comfort zone. When you don't want to do something and the Lord allows you to do it, it's because you know that the only way that you can accomplish that is through the Lord. It's our dependency on Him that matters the most. So today I wanted to share to you about what I learned during my Jesus year. And I call it my Jesus year when I turned 33. This was about three years ago. I just turned 36 uh, in last month, July. <laughs> I know I don't look it, but <laughs> it's, it's there. My age is there. So I said, okay, you know, when I was talking to my dad, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to turn 33. Oh, 33 is going to be great. It's my Jesus year. So excited to see what God is going to do and accomplish in my life when I turn 33. And if you know my dad, my dad likes to be funny. So he goes, Anak, you do know that's also the year Jesus was crucified and he died. <laughs> okay, dad, thanks for the, you know, encouragement. He's like, no, no, I just, I just want you to be prepared. I said, yeah, okay, that's right. I need to anticipate the hardship that's going to come too. And I was not expecting the hardship that I would face on my Jesus year. This was the year 2020. And everybody knows what happened in 2020. <clears throat> I was preparing myself to go to the Philippines as a missionary associate. This was around um, 2019. Well, we'll backtrack to 2019. I was preparing to go as a missionary associate. I had gone to Springfield with the Assemblies of God World Mission Department, and we were in training for, for missions. And I said, okay, Lord, you want me to go to the Philippines to serve as a missionary associate? I'm ready. But you have to provide for the funds for me to go. And I was like, okay. I prayed. And in five months, the Lord allowed me to raise my funds to go to missions. So in February of 2020, I rode on a plane, February 10, and I flew to the Philippines. One month later, on March 17th, the whole country shut down. And I, I thought to myself, Lord, why did you call me to do missions? And we can't even meet with people. And I'm sure you guys, everybody was hit hard with COVID. But I want to share a little bit of the experience that we had to go through in the Philippines. In the Philippines, in Baguio City, the, the mayor was known as the czar of contact tracing. Ben, mayor Benji was known as czar of contact tracing, which means he was really good at determining who 
a person who contracted COVID was in contact with. He, he made it his, his goal in order to keep the community safe. So the restrictions that were placed in Baguio City were very, very high, where within the first month, all the rules were changing every single day, it seemed like. The first week, every day we had to get a pass just to go into town. And this part was very crucial because a lot of students were getting scared. At APTS, we have a lot of foreign students. We have missionaries. And some of them were getting scared, the whole country shutting down. They want to leave, they want to go home, back to their families where it's safe. And visas were, were being, you know, that were being processed were on pause. And so we had to take trips down to the immigration office in, in town. <coughs> and taxis and jeepneys and buses were not running because for safety. And then grocery stores. Everybody needed to buy their groceries. And in that moment, you feel like, oh, it's just a trip to the grocery. You know, it's not going to really matter much. But during this time, we had restrictions where <clears throat> you had to have a pass. And that pass had a specific color. So it was like color-coded based on your uh, neighborhood, your barangay. So ours, APTS, we were color green. Green was our color. We were allowed to go into town twice a week, between 6 a.m. to 12 noon. And it was only in that window frame. If you were caught outside of your window frame, you could be put to jail. That's how strict they were. 6 a.m. to 12 noon. SM, where you know, their slogan is, we have it all for you, and they really did have it all for everybody during COVID. SM does not open till 8 a.m. So you'd find people from 6 a.m. lining up just outside. And it would take about two hours just to get inside SM. So by the time you get inside, it's 10, 10 a.m. You're getting your groceries, you know, trying to make sure that you buy everything. We didn't have um, people hoarding toilet paper, so that was a lot different. <clears throat> but there were other things that people were hoarding. And so we would get to line and you'd, you'd check out, pay for everything, you'd have boxes and boxes full of stuff. And by the time that you were able to check out, it's about an hour, so it's 11 already. And then you'd still have to make the trip home. Because there were no jeepneys, there were no, no, no buses, no taxis riding, some people, if you don't know what Baguio's landscape is like, it's, it's hills. So some people have to drag all of their stuff up hills just to go home. And only one person per household was allowed to go out. So I was blessed with the opportunity to be able to take um, my supervisor's cars, which are the Hurtwicks, Dickie and Dr. Galen Hurtwick, they let me borrow their car because they got stuck here in California. And I was serving in the Philippines. So I was able to use their car as kind of like transportation to ferry students and missionaries from the school to the grocery store, come back and forth, back and forth. 
in that first kind of quarter of my life, the thing that I really learned through that difficult time was that there's joy in waiting. Because we found ourselves stuck. We didn't know what we were waiting for. We were waiting for the rules to change. We were waiting for COVID to be declared done. We're like, oh, this is only gonna last a couple of months, right? How many of you guys heard that? Everyone said, oh, COVID, it's just gonna last a couple of months. That's what we were waiting for. Moments of growth allowed for a realization to grow and overflow in my heart during that season. You see, waiting can be tough, especially when you don't know what you're waiting for. And sometimes the anticipation of waiting for something to come has a way of becoming a distraction rather than a blessing. You find yourself constantly waiting for what's next that you miss the opportunity to minister in the now. When you're so tired of your situation, which I was definitely in that season 33, I said, I'm tired of waiting, I'm tired of just sitting here, I'm tired of all these rules, these regulations, the restrictions, even though they were in place to make sure that we're safe. I was like, what am I waiting for? Lord, you called me into this, this ministry, this calling of missions, to just sit around and do nothing, or just be an Uber driver or Grab driver in the Philippines, bringing people back and forth from the mall, uh, you know, just to get groceries. I thought it was very insignificant. I thought what I did didn't matter. And I kept waiting and waiting for something to happen. And God allowed me to realize that people have been praying for that transportation. People have been praying for ways to get to town. And I was being used by the Lord as an answer to their prayers. And I was like, so Eunice, what are you complaining about? You have become an answered prayer. I was like, okay, you're right, Lord. Uh, I, I, I was wrong, you know, I need to change my mentality. And I started to find joy in just serving people in that moment, in that now. <clears throat> a verse that really speaks out to me is Micah 7, 7 during that difficult time. And it says, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. And my God will certainly hear me. See, during that moment, I felt like what I did didn't matter. But what I didn't understand was that God's purpose was for me not to bless someone else, but for others to bless me and teach me a lesson as well. And that lesson was one that I learned from my neighbor. Her name is Kim. I call her Kimmy, you know? Sometimes we always love to give people nicknames. So I, I call her Kimmy. She's from Myanmar. And if you know what's going on in Myanmar right now, they are in a state of civil war. COVID hit them very, very hard. Her whole family is back in Myanmar. Well, now she's back in Myanmar, but during this time, she was stuck in Baguio City. And she was feeling very alone. She was my neighbor. And God gave me the opportunity to just minister to her. 
when we had the chance to start classes back up again and everything was online, you know, I had the opportunity just to cook lunch for her when she would, on days that she would have classes. And then on days that I would be teaching those classes, she would cook lunch for me. And then we'd have dinner together. And we really developed this close-knit friendship, this sisterhood that I wouldn't have gotten if I was busy in the ministry doing things when COVID was, was you know, if COVID didn't happen. And I didn't know how important she needed someone to help her during that moment. But what she didn't realize was that she was also ministering to me. And I got caught up in trying to be busy, trying to keep myself occupied so that I didn't have to think about my situation. How many times have we all done that? Where we try to keep ourselves busy so that we don't get to think about the problems that we're facing in the moment, right? I'm guilty of that. <coughs> So I found myself teaching three classes, which is too, too many, right? And I was teaching academic writing courses. So I had a lot of reading to do with, with, with writing with my students. And it was a little bit difficult because majority of my students, well, all of them were foreign. I was teaching um, in the department where it's a, a partnership with APTS and Alpha Cruises College in Australia. So we have a business as missions course, a business and theology course. So it's a bachelor's degree. And so I was teaching academic writing to, to those students. We had six students. Five were from China and one was from Papua New Guinea. And so they're not used to writing in a Western style. So I had to start from scratch. And I have to say, we were able to meet about three times before the country shut down for COVID. But in those three times, how much can you really teach them, right? Especially in, in English, when English is not their first language. And then when the country shut down, we moved to online teaching which was even more difficult because sometimes my internet would act up. Like, how many of you know internet in the Philippines is not reliable, right? We think internet here is not reliable. Oh, I don't have 5G, oh, first world problems. You know, in the, in the Philippines, sometimes it's just gone. And so I, I struggled. We were all on the same campus. They're in, in their dorms, in the, the, the meeting rooms, and I'm in, in my apartment. And so it's difficult. I'll have fuzzy internet, and then my internet will work again, and their internet will become fuzzy. So I end up repeating myself sometimes three to five times, and then the class time is done. So finding a way to be creative and, and making sure that they understand what's being taught was such a struggle. Now, that's one class. Imagine three classes like that. <coughs> one of the other classes that I taught was in Cebu City, Philippines, at Emmanuel Bible College. They asked me to teach a course, um, and it was human relations and conflict management. My, my bachelor's is, is in psychology uh, at Vanguard. 
So I said, okay, I can teach that course. Good. I have the uh, materials from ICI. So that there was a specific material that the, the, uh, the school wanted to use. So I created a curriculum and, and did everything. Classes start, right? Rule of the school. When you're taking online courses, the camera has to be on to make sure that the students are paying attention. And I know sometimes here, the camera doesn't have to be on for college students, right? In the Philippines, it has to be on for your attendance to count. They're like, okay, this is fine, this is great. So one of my students, his name is Benji. Great student, okay? I said, Benji, I need you to turn your camera on. And I, I have the, uh, in the Philippines, if you're a teacher, they call you ma'am. But I asked them to just call me like Miss Eunice, right? Okay, Miss Eunice, I'm trying, I'm trying. I kid you not, when he turns on his camera, Benji is in a tree doing this. And I was like, ben Benji, are you in a tree? What are you doing? He's like, I can't find signal. I had to climb the tree just to find signal. So I said, okay, Benji, turn off your camera. Hold on to the tree, okay? I don't want you falling off. Please, your safety is more important. And he's like, okay, okay. So I, you know, randomly ask questions and I'd ask Benji to answer it just to make sure that he's paying attention. But the dedication that each student had to go through just to continue on in their education. So what was I complaining for? Oh, I, you know, internet is spotty. When I have students that have to climb trees just to learn about the word of God, to learn about how to be effective pastors in the ministry. That second quarter, I learned that feeling overwhelmed is a valid feeling. And that everyone has different ways of experiencing that. This quarter taught me that the value of my emotions and mental health were important. Because what I did was push everything aside. Okay, I can deal with that later. I was feeling overwhelmed. Okay, I can push that aside. Let, let me focus on, on what I need to do. Oh, I'm feeling too emotional. Uh, let me get myself busy. I need to become busy so that I'm not feeling that. But when we become too busy with what could be potentially the Lord's work, when the Lord has something for you to do that he has called you to do, if you're busy with all of these other things that he has not called you to do, you don't have time and opportunity to serve in the way that he's, you're supposed to. Just because a ministry opportunity pops up it doesn't necessarily mean you have to step into that because that ministry opportunity might be for someone else. And if you take that, you are robbing that person of the opportunity to serve the Lord. And it might be hard because you might have the qualifications that are good to step into that ministry. But you have to pray and discern and say, Lord, is that really for me? Because once you step into that, and you see it through to the end, what if God brings something else that's supposed to be for you? And then you have to say, Lord, can that wait? Because I need to finish what I started. 
I don't want to give up halfway. That's what I learned. Just because I can teach all these different courses doesn't mean that I have to. Because at the end of it, I felt so overwhelmed. I felt so burnt out doing ministry, doing the Lord's work. All because I wanted to serve so that all these, these things that I was experiencing in the moment wouldn't bother me. And the thing that's so funny about that is that I put myself in that situation, right? I put myself in that situation. And then the prayer would be, Lord, save me from this situation. And God's just like, eh, you put yourself there. But he will still save you because that's who he is. <clears throat> and I realized that the opportunity to learn from those situations was the biggest lesson that I, I, I could ever understand. Even if we place ourselves in, in moments where we get overwhelmed, it's for a purpose. In James chapter one, verses two to four, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, even if it's your own fault and you put yourself in that situation, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When you're going through moments of growth, it's painful. I remember when I was, we were in Saipan and I think I was around 11 years old. How many of you have experienced growth pains? Man, I, I'm tall for a Filipina, right? I'm 5'7". <clears throat> it's my dad's Russian side that comes out, right? My mom is 5'1". My sister's 5'1". She, she claims to be 5'2". So she's, five, like, she's just a little bit taller than my mom. But when I was growing up, I really experienced birth pain. I mean, not birth pains, like growing pains. No, not birth pains, guys. Mm -mm, not yet. I experienced growth pains. I remember laying on the couch and my, my shins would be on my dad's lap and he would just like be massaging it because it hurt so much. I was like, is this what growing feels like? I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I could be just as tall as my mom, Lord, that's fine. So when I was 14, I was way taller than my mom already, but I would not want to experience growth pains again. It hurts. It feels like there's needles going through your bones, through your legs. And I don't know why I still remember it, but I do. It's like one of those pains that you want to forget. <clears throat> and I thought that, okay, and th that season, you know, I I'm okay. I learned that there's joy in waiting. I learned that, you know, being overwhelmed or feeling overwhelmed is valid. So things gotta get, things have gotta get better from here on out, right? Things are gotta start looking up. And though that moment I felt, I learned that next season was, some seasons get even tougher. 
And this was during the holidays time. I couldn't go home. My family was all here. I was by myself in the Philippines. I had my grandma and my uncles and my aunts in Manila. But because of the restrictions, just to go from barangay to barangay, you had to provide a whole bunch of paperwork. You had to take the test and test negative for COVID. And that was like 500 pesos. Every way, going down and coming back up, depending on how long you stay in, in an area. You had to get clearance from your barangay to prove that you belong in that barangay. If you're passing through, just, you know, oh, I'm not staying here, I'm just driving through. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. And then they'll call the radio, making sure at the end of the barangay, did this car pass by? They're so strict. And I'd hoped that this coming season would have been so much easier, so much better. But God was teaching me that not every season is going to be happy and fruitful. When you think that things are looking up, or you'd hope for things to be looking up, oftentimes they'll take a different turn. And it doesn't get any easier. It was this moment when I, I felt, I realized, I was like, okay, I'm done with those two seasons. I, I, I have to do something for myself. It's gotta be, there's gotta be something better than this. Why do I still feel stuck? Why do I still feel like nothing has changed? Can I tell you that when you have not yet learned a lesson that God is teaching you, you are bound to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. I'm guilty. You know, I'm gonna tell you a story that proves that I'm guilty. <clears throat> My senior year at Vanguard, final semester. This is it, I was gonna graduate. I still needed 21 credits. So I was like, okay, I gotta get this done. I was president of concert choir at the time. I was part of Vanguard Singers and Band, the, the worship traveling group. I was like, okay, Lord, what am I getting myself into? I was interning at St. Andrews. I was, take, I was finishing my internship as well um, for, for psychology. And I was like, Lord, what am, how, how am I gonna finish this strong? I feel stuck. And the situation had risen up um, during our choir tour that needed to be addressed immediately. And as the president, I felt stuck because the issue was between my roommate and uh, uh, the daughter of one of the uh, um, leaders in the network. And I said, what is going on? Lord, why am I in the middle of this? I was just trying to serve you, the, you know, open the door for me, Lord, I'm going to step through it. But, but why is it so difficult? And I was in the car with my sister and she was driving. And we come to a stoplight. I was just crying. I said, Lord, do you even hear me? Do you even see that I'm struggling how hard this is? And the car in front of us, I kid you not, 
said Psalm, the number four, the letter T. Psalm 4T. And I was like, May, wouldn't it be funny if this is the answer that you know, I, was, I was asking the Lord for? She goes, open up your Bible. So we're at a stoplight. You know, I open up the Bible <coughs> on my phone, my phony Bible, right? And I read Psalm 40. And it says this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. You've made me listen. I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come. As it is written about me in the scriptures, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told all, you, all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me, for troubles surround me. Too many to count. My sins pile up so high that I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they said, Aha, we've got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. And I just kept crying and crying and crying in that car. God, you really do hear me even if I put myself in situation after situation after situation. And this is the same verse that, that really ministered to me in that quarter when I felt like I was just at my wit's end. Lord, I know I put myself in this situation. I know I made decisions and said yes to things that I shouldn't have said yes to. Felt overwhelmed. But you still hear me. 
you still choose to save me. And in the final quarter, just when I thought, okay, you know, it's gotten from bad to worse to even worse, this season's gotta be the worst one is coming up. But in this season, what God really taught me is that even if it feels like things are going bad, you have to grow where you're planted. And there's that saying where, you know, when you feel like darkness is surrounding you, you feel like you've been buried, but in reality, you've been planted. And only in that moment will you begin to sprout and grow. The worst thing that a person can do is waste a season. We won't always find ourselves in green pastures, but that doesn't mean we can't grow where we are planted. Seeing God move through every situation was really encouraging to me because I understood that even if it's, it's in difficult times, God will work it out on my behalf. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn for good. And this is my life verse that I want to share with you. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. And it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, that the master you are serving is Christ. So even if people see that you are capable, that you are qualified to accomplish something, and they say, oh, you're, you're doing so great, I'm gonna assign you to this. Remember that you're not there to work on their behalf. You're not there to try and please them. You're there to please the Lord because he has chosen you for that specific job. In that season, I learned that no matter what I did, it would always point back to the Lord. And all I had to do was give him glory, right? During that difficult time, I had the opportunity to get my, my, my license as a minister. And I thought, okay, God, you really got something great planned because this is not in my plans. <coughs> and because of the time difference, it was really hard to, to take that test. It was 8 a.m. on a Zoom call in California, which meant it was 11 p.m. in the Philippines. So I was there at 11 p.m. taking the exam, saying hi to Sharon. If you guys ever find yourselves getting credentialed with the Assemblies of God, you're gonna take your exam. You'll meet Sharon Dumiller, she's awesome. So I was there, ready to take my exam. We're waiting for people to join in, and I see the time just ticking away. I'm like, oh my gosh. Whew, I wonder how this is gonna be, taking the exam with like a sleepy brain, right? By the time I finished the Bible portion and the 16 fundamental truths, I was still good, my mind was still clear. I'm like, okay, we can do this. 
three o'clock hits in the morning and it's time for the polity exam. I was like, oh Lord, thank you that this is the last thing because it's open book, the bylaws, right? It's open book. I'm like, ah, that's gonna be okay. It's open book. I start taking the test. I'm reading what I need to read and nothing is sticking. I said, why is the language so difficult to understand? It's all legal terms, all these things. And I'm like, this is not gonna, I'm gonna fail this. This is not gonna be good. I'm a pastor's daughter, I'm gonna fail the exam. And I started freaking out. That polity exam was the lowest out of all my exam scores, but I passed that night. And I called my parents right after I took the exam. They were here in California. I said, I just finished my exam and, and dad prayed for me. And so well, whatever the Lord wills will happen. <clears throat> so I was taking steps to grow. I was taking steps to really continue on in what God had for me. So after serving a missionary associate term, I said, how else can I grow? And the only next logical step was to tr transition to become a fully appointed career missionary. And last year, I was commissioned by the Assemblies of God as a fully appointed career missionary. Yes, glory to God. And I tell you, it's the best decision that I've ever made. Even though in the beginning I said, ah, I don't want to do this. But God knows what you need, even in the moments when you don't know that you need it. So I want to share with you this next assignment that God has for me. Because it's a very special one. You see, in the early 80s, a missionary from Riverside, California, named Tatay Paul Klar, went to the Philippines and planted a church, a church that some of you know very well, a church that Pastor Jaren and Pastor Rose have pastored, ACCF, Skate Town. And that church is very special to me because that's the church that was, my dad was saved in. And after he was saved in that church, the church sent him to IBC to, to go to Bible school. And he just happened to meet my mom there. They got married, went back to ACCF, served in the church. I was dedicated in that church in 87. Oh, that's a long time ago. In 87. And then the church sent them to Cebu to start Super Kids Club. And then we transitioned to Saipan. And we found ourselves here in California. And now I will be coming out of California, going back to the Philippines, to Cebu City, to plant a church that's not necessarily in the mall, like Tatay Paul, but it's beside the mall, like right next door. 
And I also get to teach at the very Bible school that my parents taught at. And just to see how God is bringing that full circle because of the obedience of one man, not just one, many men and women, because of their obedience. I find myself walking in the footsteps that they have left behind. And I want to encourage you this morning. You may not know the steps or the path that you're going to take, but God knows it, and he's already prepared the way for you. Especially for the young people, for the youth that are here. You are not too young to step into what God is calling you to do. You are not too young. There's no such thing as too young. How amazing was it to see you guys have a guitar player that's serving and he's been serving in, in worship ministry for two years? He's already had more experience in the worship team than some. <coughs> but even though his guitar is not plugged in, his heart is plugged into the right place. Come on. And I know that if you plug yourself into the will of God, what he has for you, it will not only bring you joy in the moments where you're waiting, encouragement when things get difficult, but you will grow in the current season that you are in. And there's no better place to be than in the spirit and the presence of God, walking in his steps, because in his, his steps, in his ways, there is provision, there is protection. Amen? God gives us his grace to trust him in moments when we can't seem to trust. I wanna challenge you this morning that in moments when you don't understand what God is doing, in moments when you feel like things are so difficult that the only thing to do is give up, I want you to trust in his word. Trust that he has your best intentions at heart. That there's nothing that you can do that can pull him away from you so long as you come back to him in repentance. You are never too far away from the will of God. And I know that he has great plans for you. He's called each and every one of us to share his word. Whether that be to a foreign land or to your neighbors, to your family members, to your coworkers, youth, to your classmates, sometimes even to your boss when it gets difficult. God has made a way for each and every one of us. And all we have to do is step out in obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We heard that earlier. When you obey the Lord, blessings upon blessings will overflow in your life. And your life will become that living testimony that brings glory to God. If only you will let him have his way in your life. Amen.
Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.